Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24:15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, NetWorld, and thank you for tuning in. We are continuing in our series called The Eight Basic Events of the End Times. And let me tell you what the eight events are. The first is salvation. And the day that that's supposed to happen is now. And then there's the rapture, which comes in a moment. Thirdly will be the tribulation, which will last at least seven years. And then the second coming of Christ and the battle of Armageddon, which will all happen in a day. And fifth, the millennium. Sixth, Satan is released and then cast into the lake of fire. Seventh, the great white throne judgment, and eighth, eternity, which is the eternity of eternities, which lasts forever. Let me read you Revelations 22.5. And there shall be no more night. They have no need for lamplight or sunlight, for the Lord God will illuminate them and be their light, and they shall reign as kings forever and ever through the eternities of the eternities. And yesterday, we were talking about the judgment seat of Christ, which is the first thing that happens after we're raptured and we're up in heaven during the seven years of the tribulation time on earth. Jack Van Impey says about the judgment seat of Christ, he says, quality works consisting of gold, silver, and precious stones performed for the glory of God to win the souls of men. When tested and found genuine, will earn crowns for the faithful for all eternity. These crowns will then be placed at the feet of Christ as an eternal memorial of one's love for a lifetime of service. So when does the judgment seat of Christ take place? It takes place immediately after the rapture of the church, which then begins the seven-year tribulation on earth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And that's out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. And then reading 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. Wow, the rapture, it's going to be great. And right after the rapture is the judgment seat of Christ. 
And this agrees with the context of 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 20, which talks about the judgment seat of Christ. And in verse 20, which says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bema, seat of Christ, is placed in heaven. Now, does this express the goodness of God? Yes. And if someone gets rewarded more than I do, I'll rejoice with them and honor them for their obedience and their faithfulness to the Lord. I look forward to the judgment seat of Christ. How about you? And this brings us to the next event, which is the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is happening during the tribulation while we're up in heaven with the Lord. Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9 in the English Standard Version says it this way. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Well, have you been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Only those who have died in Christ or who have been caught up in the rapture will be there. It's true. After the judgment seat of Christ, we will all get married and have a meal. The marriage supper is fascinating to me, and it brings some questions. If I'm married when I die or I'm raptured, what happens to my earthly marriage? And how can I, a man, be the bride of Christ? I think those are fair questions. So what or who is the bride of Christ? There's different theological positions as to who or what the bride of Christ is. Some believe it's the city of Jerusalem, according to Revelation 21 and 2, and others say it's the church, those who have made Jesus their personal Savior and have received eternal life. I personally believe the bride is the church, his people, and not the holy city of Jerusalem. Marriage or a covenant relationship takes place between two people, not a person and a place. I believe that marriage has to do with relationship and covenant being mutual faithfulness, and disloyalty is what shatters the covenant. Listen to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32 says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Well, we hear this passage at most wedding services because it speaks of the relationship between a man and a woman in marriage. 
However, in context, it is not focusing as much on earthly marriage as it is on Christ and the church. Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 9 says it this way, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And an interesting verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And Isaiah 54, 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. And Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Well, now in this next scripture, Zion being the holy city, is not described as the bride, but rather the place where he will take his bride to reside. This is Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 14. Return, O backslidden children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. I love that verse. Here's an excellent article from gotquestions.org. The question is, what does it mean that the church is the bride of Christ? And the answer they give is, the imagery and symbolism of marriage is applied to Christ and the body of believers known as the church. These are those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and have received eternal life. In the New Testament, Christ, the bridegroom, has sacrificially and lovingly chosen the church to be his bride. Just as there was a betrothal period in biblical times during which the bride and groom were separated until the wedding, so is the bride of Christ separate from her bridegroom during the church age. Her responsibility during the betrothal period is to be faithful to him. At the second coming of Christ, the church will be united with the bridegroom. The official wedding ceremony will take place, and with it, the eternal union of Christ and his bride will be actualized. At that time, all believers will inhabit the heavenly city known as New Jerusalem, also called the Holy City in Revelation 21 and 2. The New Jerusalem is not the church, but it takes on the church's characteristic. In his vision of the end of the age, the Apostle John sees the city coming down from heaven adorned as a bride, meaning that the inhabitants of the city, the redeemed of the Lord, will be holy and pure, wearing white garments of holiness and righteousness. Some have misinterpreted verse 9 to mean the holy city is the bride of Christ, but that cannot be because Christ died for his people, not for a city. The city is called the bride because it encompasses all who are the bride, just as all the students of a school are sometimes called the school. As believers in Jesus Christ, we who are the bride of Christ wait with great anticipation for the day when we will be united with our bridegroom. Until then, we remain faithful to him and say with all the redeemed of the Lord, Come, Lord Jesus. 
So as we can see, our marriage relationship with Christ has to do with a covenant of mutual faithfulness. To be unfaithful or disloyal in that relationship would be adultery. It's obvious to me that marriage in heaven is different than we understand on earth. Obviously, the closest we can come to understand it is the marriage between a man and a woman. This would involve friendship, companionship, commitment, living together, intimacy, sex, and raising a family. But when we get to heaven, will we still be married to our spouse? Will we still live together, be intimate, have sex, and continue in a family as we know it? What if our spouse passed away and we remarried? What if we were divorced and remarried once, twice, or three times? Who will we be married to in heaven, and who will we be living with? What about our young children that have different mothers or fathers? With whom will they live? Are there courts in heaven that decide these things? Is it true that we'll be married to Christ? What does that mean, and how will that affect our relationships? Thank God we have more time tomorrow, because our time today is up. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same channel, and I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.